doing the right thing is good for business. Mm -hmm. Like it's always been that way. It always will be that way. Doing the right thing is good for business. And so talk about like perfection, profitability, happiness. It makes sense that these things are in the same list. It's a new year, and that means a new season of Doorward Thinking. Something we've realized building Doorward is that growing in knowledge isn't linear. Knowledge compounds and takes on new meaning as you grow. Today, I'm joined by Jake to recap the reason why Doorward pays such close attention to reflecting on our experiences and to elaborate on the search for wisdom that this Doorward Thinking journey is meant to be. We'll also talk about the purpose of Doorward existing in the first place the development of better communities, and happy, healthy homes. Finally, we'll dive into wisdom itself and the benefits of striving to achieve it. For those of you new to the show, be sure to check us out at doorward.com and over social media to learn more about us and our mission. We're always happy to connect with you to work together in creating the tools you need to succeed and create a better and more trusting world. We'll let you know how to do that a little later on in the episode, but for now, it's time to get back to the great conversation. I've got my doorward thinking cap. Jake's got his too. So let's get started. So Jake, welcome back. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And it's time to get the ball rolling again on a new season. Man, it's already rolling. Here we go. Here we go. We're going to get into a lot today. Yeah, wow. First, I'd like to mention a new partnership. Doorward Thinking is powered by Podtrix, the next generation of podcast hosting, with innovative features to guide your podcast to success. Check it out today at podtrix.com. So Jake, the new year is always a time of reflection for people. And one of the things that we've noticed while we reflect on our journey building Doorward is that knowledge seems to grow and take on new shape as we acquire more. And it makes sense to think about whenever I was in class and in college and it was like taking chemistry or math or something, you would start out at the beginning of the semester with just like a few practice problems that maybe didn't make sense or they were really difficult, but you get to the end of the semester or maybe a series of classes and you look back on those few things and it's totally different. Right. Yeah, I remember, uh, I, I think what you're saying is, is absolutely correct. You, you hear about some things like this. I remember reading in, in Ben Horowitz's The Hard Thing About Hard Things. He says that like just kind of exponential complexity in the sense of this is not a linear process. Like this is three-dimensional chess, like from Star Trek or something like that. <laughs> So, yeah. And it just keeps building and building and there are deeper layers to uncover. And Absolutely. We see this everywhere, right? So mentioned in class, but also in like series of books. Mm-hmm. Talk about the reread or the number of rereads. Yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. You peel back another layer and you see something that you never saw before. And movies and all kinds of things. So it would make sense then that as we're striving to figure out better ways to live and work, that that would happen too. So what I'd like to do today is very briefly recap what we're all about, 
and delve into this search for wisdom. Because as I've reflected on these past couple seasons, talking about better ways to live and work and learning about the untamable human spirit, it all boils down to this search for wisdom. Absolutely, Nate. And when you said that, I remember seeing with such clarity why it's so important. And maybe we're going to get into this a little bit more. At Doorward, we're all about people getting out of the rat race, getting out of the wheel. Mm -hmm. And when people are in the wheel and in the rat race, that is, I don't want to say that there's no search for wisdom, but it's almost like you don't afford the opportunity to seek the wisdom. And so when you like put the nail on the head there, that this is what Dora thinking is about. Beautiful. Like that, that's awesome. It's exactly why we do what we do. We want to get people out of the wheel of life. And it takes a while. When you first explained the project to me, I was like, okay, I get it, I get it, but it takes time to get it deep down. And that's a deeper layers of understanding that I think uh, that we're all engaged in. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping that we could start with very briefly going back to the beginning and talking about your past that has kind of resulted in the synthesis of this search for wisdom. I know that you are very fond and very interested in learning about philosophy, as well as some of the education and work background that brought this project of Doorward together. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, yeah. So going back in time, I remember distinctly approaching college from an abundantly practical uh, standpoint. You know, I had Worked the summer before at a tool and die factory. And it's like, yeah, this is why I like make sure I study like well in college. <laughs> and so practical standpoint to me meant engineering. Mm -hmm. Get into the program, doing physics and calc and chemistry and you know, differential equations. And eventually I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> and like, yeah, fine. But you just can't see yourself doing that the rest of your life. Sure. And so I went back to the drawing board. What did I really enjoy? And that was history. And now, no offense to history majors out there. Uh, I do think there is an immense value in being a student of history. But I was having a hard time at the time seeing like the applications of, of you know, going to that. And so as I'm like thinking about that, exploring that, I stumble across something called economic development. And to me, that was fascinating. Really, it was, it was kind of underneath the, the School of Urban Affairs. Okay, this is a really interesting you know, contemporary application of uh, kind of examining society and how it functions. You could say from like uh, being like a student of history or even uh, – uh, in philosophical terms, Nate, the, the Greeks had this understanding of oikia and polis, mm -hmm. like polis being like, you know, the city state and how is, how does it function? How does it develop? What makes for a thriving, you know, urban landscape? And, and that was something that I could really get behind. And so I, I started going into that, started interning in that area. I remember being at the the county department of development 
in the Brownfield Redevelopment Division, working with a, a wonderful woman by the name of Janice Bain. What are we trying to do? Like, what is the use of that land? And it's contaminated. You can't use it for certain things. Okay, what if we can fix this? And now it can be used for this purpose. We can even work with these people. Hey, what do you need this for? Okay, we can treat it in this way, in this way. And now this land is productive again. Mm-hmm. It's contributing to society. It's contributing to a polis. And it was from that economic development that drive to get into, okay, how do we grow the economy? You know, in this case of Cleveland, right? <laughs> um, which is an important endeavor. We can't just rely on LeBron James. Uh, so, <laughs> it takes a city. <laughs> it takes a city. And so it was through that, that actually getting into private real estate development is a good way to get fully into economic development. So here I am working for a real estate developer and we're taking old like warehouses and factories and turning them to luxury loft apartments and like super cool projects, Nate. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that. And most of them we would actually retain in a portfolio, you know, for the rental income, something we would sell. And uh, so when I moved to New York, uh, always a dream to go to New York City, this architect hired me to help run his, his studio, almost precisely because he wanted to do this kind of project and like figured I had some experience that could could help in addition to kind of the bread and butter work of the kind of individual clients that we were working with in New York City. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I learned the design and build business model, which is in this industry, especially in New York, it is raw, it is dirty. It's like talk about like a dog eat dog world. And so what are the players in this space do. It's all about relationships. It's the most like referral industry. And this is, I think, true of real estate everywhere. It's the most referral-based industry that there is. And so, you know, we're an architect. We're working with clients, people building their homes in one form or another in New York or surrounding, you know, suburbs in the Catskills or the Hamptons or Mm -hmm. or whatever else. Mm -hmm. So they come to us and they design their home. And then they say, oh, well, you guys build as well. That's great. You can really help us to build our home according to our vision that you know, we create together. And you know our vision because we, we did it together. Make it a reality. Exactly. Something really important for these people. Exactly. It can't stay just a, on a piece of paper or a goal that you write down. You have to implement it. And so you know, we say, okay, cool. We have all these relationships with all these different contractors and GCs, you know, the subcontractors, your, your tile guys and your masonry workers and your woodworkers and your electricians and your HVAC techs and you name it. Okay, we could put together a package of the various trades you're going to need mm-hmm. to make that idea for your home a reality. And we do so. And they're totally free to go elsewhere, but oftentimes they want to, one, because we have that shared vision of what that home could look like. Mm -hmm. And number two, because the trades, being really brilliant businessmen, are going around and saying, hey, if you can create a pipeline of work for me, we'll give you discounted prices based on what's on the market. That's the design and build business model. Mm -hmm. It's all about forming that pipeline of business with who people that you can trust. Right. If you're a, if you're a trade 
and you want to build your business, you want to work with people you can trust, not just like one-offs. You want to have, you want to create a relationship. I want to work with people that are going to pay me and they're going to pay me on time. And they're going to like treat me right in that relationship. Give me the information I need to do my job and, and to do it well. And then we move on. Right. And it's mm-hmm. just like, this is the kind of you know business relationships that they're looking for. And actually by having those relationships, you know, with the architecture studio, with the construction companies, now we can collaborate better because you have that sharing of ideas, that crowdsourcing of solutions, the, the trust and the, if we don't know something, maybe they know something like love my time in New York, but it was time to move back to the Midwest. I loved every minute of that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the next stage in my career. I was really reflecting on it as we've been talking about. As one does. Yeah. As, as, <laughs> as one should. And thinking about what's the common thread and where is it leading? And, you know, to be honest, Nate, I've always had a lot of business ideas, products, services, solutions. And I saw like this, this marriage of business models from like, the real estate development, property management world, which I had come from, and this design and build business model that I had discovered. And in this marriage, like was born doorward. Now, obviously, to the point you were starting with at the beginning, it's been an immense process of discovery. And these layers have been pulled back in the clarity of okay, this is uh, the shell or the kernel of what Doorward really is and what we need to lead into. And at the end of the day, it was really like a spark. And I got to give credit to the team, which has like looked at that spark with me and brought their own sparks and added to it and dissected it and said like, Jake, this part over here, like it's crap, like throw it out. And like, we need to like do this over here. And as we've like grown this, idea, develop this idea, I should say, and like that exponential like knowledge that we were talking about, Doorward has really like taken shape. And the other day, Doorward is about matchmaking beginners and experts in real estate, people that have an idea, a vision of what they want to do to find that financial freedom for themselves with those who have done it before Mm -hmm. and have the, the tools and the knowledge and the relationships to make that happen. And so we've created a platform that allows those knowledge experts to both educate and equip oftentimes beginners, right? So at the end of the day, our platform is about providing the tools to the knowledge experts that allow them to educate and equip beginners in real estate. We love anybody that undertakes the adventure of real estate. And so we want to help them and we're helping the knowledge experts with the tools that allow them to educate and equip any beginner in real estate. And going back all the way to your time in New York, talking about people on the same team, you had your design and build, you were bringing the skilled trades on people who could make that dream a reality in their own way, moving forward into what doorward has become that team aspect remains, whether it's in our own team or the teams throughout the country that are going to be able to work together within Doorward to create these things. At the end of the day, even a knowledge expert in one field can be learning in another field at the same time. So 
anybody can use and connect with the people on the platform to achieve and literally build those dreams. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you a hidden secret. Everybody knows something that somebody else doesn't. And the hidden secret is this, is if you're trying to build a business, it's all about leads. How do you get leads? It's by being the knowledge expert. Because you have that one thing, right? Where you can be the guide to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And going back to the idea of everybody has something that somebody else doesn't. This is how the polis thrives. This is how the city grows, so to speak, in the lens of the ecosystem of real estate in the case of Dorward, but just in general, when we think about Okanamiya in general. So bringing that into Dorward thinking uh, as, a, as an idea and as a practice, uh, this podcast and other activities that we have as a company taking time to reflect, I'd like to start with a quote from Thomas Aquinas. He was a 13th century philosopher and theologian from Sicily, which is that island right off the tip of the boot of Italy. And he said, of all the pursuits open to men, the search for wisdom is most perfect, more sublime, more profitable, and more full of joy. There's a lot to unpack there. I'm going to jump to profitable because I think the first couple are very meta and, and we want this search to wisdom to be very practical to people. So more profitable. At first glance, that seems kind of strange that searching wisdom would be more profitable. Like how does, how does profit factor into a search for wisdom? But it sounds like maybe you have some insights. Well, what, what struck me initially when you shared that quote is he seems to think that all these things are compatible, that these things are not in opposition to each other, that profitability and perfection are like one in the same, like ontological, like point that everything is like pointing towards. And I tend to agree with that just to kind of put it in ex rugby player with like about 15 <laughs> concussions, like language, like, which is more the level I should probably try to operate on. Doing the right thing is good for business. Like mm -hmm. it's always been that way. It always will be that way. Doing the right thing is good for business. And so talk about like perfection, profitability, happiness. It makes sense that these things are in the same list. I think that goes anywhere too. My college chemistry lab partner, we were always the last ones to finish every lab. We had good results. And she got into medical school. Everything is working out great. Our motto was there's always enough time to do things right. Ooh. And sometimes it came a little close <laughs> <laughs> to the end of the class period, but we got it done and we did it right. And there were good results. Mm -hmm. To me, it sounds like the search for wisdom doesn't cut corners in the search of profitability or just looking to make a quick buck which is something that I enjoy about working for Doorward is that we're not just slapping a product together and calling it good and putting it out into the world is that we take the time to make sure that it's going to be what's best for people who are using it. Right. I think that goes back to that point that your, your great insight got to get out of the wheel and the shortcuts, the quick bucks, the kind of lack of, that mentality you spoke of with your lab partner 
Hey, I have time to do things the right way. That's the kind of thing that keeps you stuck in the wheel, the quick buck mentality. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And speaking of knowledge Mm -hmm. coming back to the fore from the past, Mm. last year, right about this time, we released an episode about Start With Why, the book by Simon Sinek. Yeah. And uh, I went back through and, and skimmed through and found this a little excerpt that I'd like to read for everybody. There was a wonderful story of a group of American car executives who went to Japan to see a Japanese assembly line. At the end of the line, the doors were put on the hinges, the same as in America, but something was missing. In the United States, a line worker would take a rubber mallet and tap the edges of the door to ensure that it fit properly. In Japan, that job didn't seem to exist. Confused, the American auto executive asked at what point they made sure the doors fit properly. The Japanese guide looked at them and smiled sheepishly, saying, we make sure it fits when we design it. In the Japanese auto plant, they didn't examine the problem and accumulate data to figure out the best solution. They engineered the outcome they wanted from the beginning. They didn't achieve their desired outcome. They understood it was because of a decision they made at the start of the process. And that excerpt is really profound because it seems to imply that we're on a longer journey, whether it's a company designing automobiles and building automobiles or just a family coming together and planning their holiday party. If you have the end goal in mind and work to ensure that the product or the party or or the chem lab results are adequately worked towards, then you have a much better result and a much better, I think a much better time in doing it. And it's overall better for you. You know, the Japanese automakers, that was one less person who needed to be on the assembly line and could do some other process in the company to work on something else. For the family, that is everybody playing their role and bringing their dish or doing whatever they're doing instead of the mad scramble that ends in a holiday argument that ruins Christmas or whatever it is. So really taking the time to engineer something is is vital. And I think it goes for the search for wisdom as well. We need to be intentional about what we're looking for and what we want to build to. That doesn't mean we have all the answers right away but it means that we are able to reflect on our experiences and gain a, a greater understanding in order to make better decisions the next time they come up. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, when people think about making a business profitable, there is no like, oh, I press this button and all of a sudden like the profitability like faucet turns on. Mm-hmm. That's just not how things work. Instead, there is learning, there is, you know, showing a product to a customer and the customer saying, well, I pay you this for that. Now I show you something different and I pay you a lot more for that. And ultimately it's somebody else's problems that a business is solving. And so that, that's a process, right? Um, which constantly has to evolve, be dynamic, mm-hmm. be refining, mm-hmm. So that you can, in fact, solve somebody else's problem. That's a really great explanation of the way that 
groups can engage in the search for wisdom together, the way that they can bring their own unique talents and skills to creating something better for the whole. Now, for our individual listeners out there, like to talk about the characteristics of wise people in general. Uh, there's a great article on LinkedIn written by Jordi Alemani. He's a business humanizer and Forbes best business influencer in 2002. And his list says that first wisdom in somebody is cultivated. It's not all or nothing and it doesn't happen overnight. It's something that's been cultivated over time. Uh, but wise people are also compassionate. They're good listeners. They're nonconformists, open-minded, problem-centered, reflective, humorful, unselfish, and they're willing. And something that has already come up multiple times is that wisdom is action-oriented. Well, Nate, that list reminds me so much of something we talked about before on this podcast, uh, this like I ideal team player, um, the humble, the hungry, the smart, mm -hmm. which was kind of our shorthand for who we look for to be part of the doorward team as we were, yeah, you just mentioned like, how does a group engage in that pursuit of wisdom? And that's kind of like those, those qualities, I think, as we've been talking about, like the search for perfection, the search for greatness, the search for happiness, the search for profitability, like it's all part of that same search. And therefore those qualities uh, that we were looking for to find the right people to collaborate with on the adventure of Doorward are precisely like what you just described when, when we're looking for those, I guess, those wise people. Like, and I, and I, didn't, I didn't know that until you read that list. And I guess maybe to add to that, we were talking before about the wheel. We got to get out of the wheel. We got to get into from idea land to reality. And, you know, at just even like at a basic level, I was looking for people to help me to make this from like maybe the, the kernel of an idea into something great. I was looking for uh, those, those wise people I could surround myself with. And in finding those wise people, how did they help you to take action and make your idea a reality? Great question. One thing that I knew when it came to Doorward, this idea that I'd had, it was, this is one that I have to try. Like I had all these other ideas. I talked about that before. And this was the one where like, if I don't try this, I'm going to regret this for the rest of my life. And so specifically, like I went to somebody that I trust. I said, here's what I'm thinking. Is this crazy? And maybe, like, yeah, maybe still crazy, but he really encouraged me to go for it. And, and precisely what you just mentioned, like this idea that wisdom is oriented towards action. It's oriented towards getting out of the hamster wheel of, of like rumination or, you know, just like, okay, I'm amassing knowledge maybe, but how does it translate into now taking action, now exercising that knowledge? And, and that's what I think wisdom is all about. And, and now that you've taken the steps to make it a reality, for, for lack of a better phrase, what kinds of doors have been opened up in your understanding of 
living a better life as you strive to build something new, strive to be a better human being. Honestly, I don't know where to start, Nate. I mean, as engaging in this process of building a business made me a better person? Like, I think absolutely. I think that that list that you rattled off, I have so much work that needs to be done, but I know that I have become more than I was in so many of those areas. That's why the search for wisdom is so important to get us unstuck, to get us from where we were to closer to where we want to be. Um, and I think this is, this is the, the fundamental desire of so many folks that have started businesses or, or engaged in that hunt for financial freedom, as we like to put it in the real estate industry. It's not about the money. It's not about the material reality of, of the business or what have you. It's about achieving something great, becoming excellent. And that excellence isn't necessarily defined by a number of zeros in a bank account or the amount of likes on social media or the fame, the number of mentions of your name. Excellence is something else. No, yeah, exactly. It's, it's not defined by those things. It can lead to those things. And in fact, you know, as we were talking about before, like in many cases will to, to kind of everything that the world calls success and more. But it's those things fundamentally can't be the guiding light. That's how the search for wisdom is is so different from the rat race that so many of us are often caught up in. One of the quotes that I hold when I was looking for information, things to think about when it came down to wisdom and that search for wisdom indirectly, but I think speaks to the fact that wisdom and success is not the results of good work being done. It's not the money in a bank account or the notoriety or the followers. And it's a quote by Boyd Bailey. And he says, humility is smart enough to confess what it does not know. Without humility, you are out of the position to receive wisdom. Indeed, humility places in the heart a hunger for wisdom. It sounds like Bailey would say that we can only engage in this search for wisdom if we let go of the metrics of, quote, success and make it a personal journey. I'd agree in that. And I think it comes back to, I think it comes back to the time of reflection, the time of you know, what you might call uh, the action, after action review, which understands that I didn't do it perfectly and I have like, no matter what, room for improvement. And, and that's okay. It's part of the journey to, to try and fail and to try again and to improve and get better. Thinking, and there lies the freedom, maybe the true freedom that everybody was looking for in the first place. Well, if that's the case, uh, we're going to take a little bit of time now to pause and reflect. We're going to introduce a new segment to our show called Three Things. And in that segment, we'll ask three questions for you to consider at home based on this episode. And then myself or our guest will go ahead and choose one to answer. 
For everyone listening at home, I encourage you to take some time and think about these. It doesn't have to be long, five to 10 minutes. You can pause the podcast at the end of the three statements, or you can go ahead and listen all the way through and then uh, come back to them or check on our show notes. They're there too. Our hope is that you will be able to learn something about yourself and make your way forward in your search for wisdom. So here we go. Three things about the search for wisdom. So first is, who is your example of a wise person? What quality or qualities do they have that you consider wise? Number two, how would the qualities of wisdom manifest themselves in your work and your personal life? And three, is there an area of wisdom where you find yourself lacking? What are ways you can practice growing in one of these areas that you find lacking? So for those of you who have taken the time to reflect on these things right now, welcome back. I would kind of be a hypocrite if I wouldn't go first on these things. So the first question, my example of a wise person would have to be my grandfather on my mom's side, my Tata Joe. He's gone through a lot of things in his life. He was a star athlete in high school who didn't quite have the academics to make it to college and because of that took jobs picking crops and working in factories and um, just all the way up. But he didn't let a lack of book learning keep him from building a lovely home and a lovely life for his family. I never knew him earlier on in his life, but growing up and being able to talk with him and about the different obstacles that he's had to overcome, he always struck me as somebody who was able to put himself in the situation and see what the good outcome was and learn how to strive for that outcome, whether it was learning a new skill, a new way of dealing with a crisis, how to be present for his family, and how to better love and serve as we were all growing up. For me, when, when I reflect on him and his life, I think of that drive to be better and to not stop and, and the time to reflect, to think about what better is for him and for his family. Beautiful. Tata Joe, if you're listening to this, I love you and uh, keep being wise, okay? <laughs> we need more people like you. So listeners at home, feel free to share who a wise person is in your life with us at podcast at doorward.com or any one of the other questions. And we'll go ahead and engage with you in this great conversation. Before we get to these announcements at the end of the show, Jake, always a pleasure being with you. New season. Looking forward to quite a few of these in this new year. Oh yeah, man. It's going to be a roller coaster. So all the more important to take this time to step back engage in the search for wisdom because that's what it's all about. And I appreciate you facilitating this. It's a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. And, and lots of new, exciting things happening for Doorward this year, right? Want to give us a teaser? That's right, Nate. We are finally, finally reaching what we call version 1.0. 
because of what we've been developing out in the open with, with all these like soft and open releases, gaining feedback, et cetera. We have finally been able to get to social real estate as we envisioned it. And, uh, so this is, this is version 1.0 and it's very exciting where, where it's been built with a lot of feedback and we're, we're excited for more so that it can, um, continue to help and, uh, solve problems for folks. And lots of new ways coming up for people to engage and to use the platform to build their dream and to be wise real estate investors and professionals. Lots of good stuff. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Once again, please like and subscribe and share the show to make sure that everyone can take a step back and reflect on life with us in these conversations. More information about Doorward can be found online at doorward.com. If you're ready to harness the power of your network, download the Doorward app today from the iTunes store or the Google Play store. Also, be sure to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Till next time, I'm your host, Nate LeBlanc, reminding you to get back to living. Music